0: From the Great Jarmathan District Talking Newspaper Association, welcome to Volume 41, number six of Grapevine, recorded on the 12th of February 2021. Hi, I'm Graham, your presenter, and joining me this week is Desney, this week's newsreader, who, as usual, looks at the coming week's telly and also reads a piece from the EDP on the time that Norwich Cathedral had a helter-skelter. Headlines this week include the good news on the local vaccination rollout, the dear old Haven Bridge throws another wobbly and Greenpeace sails into port. The first part of the news has our headline story, and so we
1: welcome Desney. Hello, everybody. This is Desney welcoming you to another edition of Grapevine. I hope you've managed to keep warm and comfortable during this cold and snowy week. It looks as if temperatures are due to rise from Sunday onwards, and as this weekend takes us up to the midway point in February, let's hope we can soon see some signs of spring. Almost 250,000 people in Norfolk and Waveney have had COVID jab. Nearly 250,000 people living in Norfolk and Waveney have received a coronavirus jab, fresh data has revealed. New figures published by NHS England on Thursday showed 249,378 people had been administered at least one dose of the vaccine by February the 7th that makes up 29.3% of the area's overall population a total of 67,260 over 80s the program's oldest priority group have had initial jabs which is 94.3% impressively 97.3% of those aged 75 to 79 have already received a vaccine which constitutes another forty seven thousand four hundred and fifty six patients, and fifty one thousand and seventy one people in the seventy to seventy four group who are now being told to actively arrange appointments have had first shots in all eighty three thousand five hundred and ninety one people under the age of seventy have been injected with either the Pfizer-BioNTech or Oxford-AstraZeneca product, the vast majority of which are frontline health and care staff, or those deemed extremely clinically vulnerable. The government's intention is to have offered jabs to everyone in the top four priority groups by Monday, February the 15th. And, despite heavy snowfall and freezing temperatures wreaking havoc across the region this week, health bosses say proceedings have stayed on track. Melanie Craig, chief executive of Norfolk & Waverney CCG, which has been leading the rollout, claimed it was going from strength to strength. She added, based on the latest data available, Norfolk and Waveney is the top-performing system in the east of England in terms of the percentage of overages vaccinated and percentage of adult population vaccinated. This is thanks to the hard work and dedication of health and care staff and the vital support we have and continue to receive from volunteers, the police, fire service, councils and more. The weather this week has been very challenging, but this hasn't impacted the determination and focus of local teams and their drive to vaccinate our patients. As the rollout progresses, several thousand of the area's over 80s have also received second doses of the vaccine, protecting against COVID-19. A total of 8,201 people are now fully inoculated, which is 11.5% of the group's population. Jabs are being delivered in 31 locations across Norfolk and Waveney, including five hospital hubs, 21 GP-led sites, four mass vaccination centres, and one pharmacy. Roving teams are continuing to serve the housebound In their own homes. Sisters-in-law aged 101 and 102 fighting fit after contracting coronavirus. Two sisters-in-law with a combined age of more than 200 years are celebrating after beating coronavirus and getting their jabs. Eileen Leach 102 and Dorothy Edwards, 101, first met in the 1920s and subsequently became sisters-in-law. And now they even live together at the Borough House Care Home near Great Yarmouth. But when they both fell ill with COVID, their families were frantic with worry. They need not have been because the sprightly pair have made a full recovery and have now had their vaccines. Now Eileen and Dorothy are longing for the moment visitors are allowed back on site and recreational activities in the home can get back to normal. Mrs Edwards said, I thought I was done with world wars and world crises, but life keeps surprising you. When I had the virus, I didn't have many symptoms, but it was wonderful to have a proper bath and hair wash when I started to recover. I'm looking forward to seeing my family and friends now I've had the vaccine. We've been so well looked after by the staff here and the doctors and nurses who administered the vaccine were wonderful. They just popped in and headed back out again without any fuss. Mrs Leach added, I didn't particularly have any symptoms when I was poorly. I heard Dorothy was unwell and was worried for her. I'm looking forward to seeing my family again. When they can visit the pair were cared for by the staggeringly committed staff at borough house managed by joseph griner he said when the pandemic set in particularly the second variant i was nervous about what it meant for us it came down to two things the first was being hopeful that we would get through it and the other was the staggering commitment from staff who went above and beyond for residents. Now, with our residents having the vaccine, we can start looking at returning to normal with activities like dinners in our dining room and recreational activities, which we've really missed putting on. It feels like we could get back to some sort of normal. That's a lovely story, isn't it? Warning to dog owners as toxic shellfish found on Norfolk beaches. Mass strandings of toxic shellfish on the coast of Norfolk and Suffolk have prompted a warning to dog owners that they could harm their pets. The Eastern Inshore Fisheries and Conservation Authority IFCA, says it has been made aware of several of the mass strandings. There have been reports in the Cromer and Overstrand areas but these could appear anywhere along our coast. The authority says, it is important to know that some stranded species, in particular types of starfish, may contain paralytic shellfish toxins, PST, toxins that could be harmful to humans and dogs if consumed. In 2018, two dogs, A seven-year-old Siberian husky and a golden retriever called Hattie both died in separate incidents on the East Anglian coastline. Hattie had been walking on Ply beach while the other dog was at Felixstowe. Tests confirmed the dogs had been killed by the paralytic shellfish poisoning toxin, PSP, thought to have come from contaminated creatures eaten by the dogs. Further testing carried out by the Centre for Environment, Fisheries and Aquaculture Science found low levels of PSP toxins in crabs, whelks and shrimps from the affected areas. However, further tests on starfish samples showed that they contained extremely high levels of toxins. The toxins can be harmful to humans as well. Eastern IFCA said that symptoms, which usually develop in humans within 30 minutes, include tingling, burning sensations, followed by numbness in the lips, tongue, and face, which progress to extremities. Paralysis of limbs, loss of muscle coordination, constrictive sensation in the throat in high doses. Paralysis can extend to the respiratory system, affecting breathing. Other symptoms exhibited in dogs exposed to toxins have included vomiting, reduction in movement, difficulty walking and or standing and loss of consciousness. The authority said, If you plan to walk your dog on your local beach, please keep them on a lead and ensure that they do not consume any stranded animals. If you suspect that your dog has consumed stranded fauna, and is feeling unwell, please contact your local vet immediately. Greenpeace ship lands at Yarmouth for secret mission A Greenpeace campaign vessel has arrived in Great Yarmouth. The Esperanza, meaning Hope in Spanish, is moored in historic South Quay, close to the seamen's mission, having spent the winter in Germany. Painted in the environmental organisations identifying rainbow colours, the ship is described as the largest and swiftest vessel in the Greenpeace fleet and a formidable force for good. A spokesman said around 30 crew and campaigners were on board what would have been the first activity this year. However, he said he was unable to be any more specific about the plans for the coming weeks, confirming it was a secret mission. Her role fighting environmental emergencies for Greenpeace had seen her involved in a pole-to-pole expedition sailing from the Arctic to the Antarctic on a year-long voyage to document the various threats facing our oceans, the spokesman said. He added, in the second half of last year, she had been involved in a lot of work on UK fisheries. She was likely to remain in port on February the 11th and may set sail on Friday the 12th. Local photography and maritime enthusiast Jamie Goodman said he was delighted to catch the vessel on camera as she entered the port. He said seeing a Greenpeace ship come into Great Yarmouth was an amazing sight. There's not been a Greenpeace ship in the port of Great Yarmouth for many years. I saw the ship was due on marine traffic, so went down the pier, braving the elements. The heavens opened, but when the pilot boarded, the ship was graced with lovely sky. Esperanza is an ex-Soviet Navy firefighting vessel built in 1984 as Victor IV. The ship was recommissioned in 2000 and relaunched in 2002 after being renamed Esperanza by visitors to the Greenpeace website. She is sailing under the flag of the Netherlands, where Greenpeace has its headquarters. She moored in Yarmouth after a voyage of two days and seven hours on Wednesday at 3.23pm on February tenth. Last summer, she was active in the North Sea amid claims about the polluting activity of the oil and gas industry. Rugby club steps up and provides bus service to vaccination centres. A local rugby club has stepped up to the mark and is helping those who are vulnerable in the community to get their coronavirus vaccines. With all of Lowestoft and Yarmouth Rugby Club's activities at Gunton Park being suspended due to coronavirus, the club is supporting the community by offering a minibus service. The twice-weekly bus service for North Lowestoft, which usually runs, is currently out of action, so the club has offered its services to East Suffolk Council to help provide transport to and from the vaccination centres At Alton Broad, Kirkley and Radon. Opening under the direction of BACT Community Transport, the minibus service has been popular in the area. The minibus is staffed by two club volunteers for each trip and available to support the rollout programme seven days a week. The club spokesman said, we have the facility of the minibus and a strong volunteer group to operate it, and so switching to help out in this way while the regular service is halted seems a natural thing for a community-based club to do. Patient over the moon, as nurses build snowman he can see from his window. Nursing staff have been hailed for going the extra mile and building a snowman for a patient in hospital during their break. With vast swathes of the county covered in snow, people have been making the most of their time in lockdown, building snowmen, sledging down slopes and generally enjoying the break-in routine. So when a patient on Ward 12 at the James Paget University Hospital's Older People's Medical Ward mentioned he would love to be able to see a snowman from his window, Staff nurse Danielle Howlett and healthcare assistant Nikki Brooks donned their scarves and gloves and sprung into action. They created their snowy masterpiece, complete with face mask, on some open space just below the ward, which is on the hospital's first floor. A hospital spokesman said the patient was over the moon and emotional when he saw it. Apparently, he really likes the snow and was sad to have missed it, the spokesperson said. So the team on the ward said they would build him a snowman to cheer him up. Nicky and Danielle both made the snowman during their break and then went back upstairs to the ward and helped with the patient over to the window so he could see it. Dozens of people have hailed their heartwarming actions. Gail Mylam said, That's a fantastic thing to do for the patient, other patients and their families. When we can't visit our loved ones in hospital, it means so much to know they're being cared for by such wonderful staff like yourselves. Kerry Phillips added, This is awesome and what it is all about making a difference and bringing some cheer to the patients in tough times. Debbie Devich said, Love this. I was cared for by the Ward 12 team and Danielle. Absolute angels. Well done, ladies. And Fran Baxter said it reminded her of a time staff made a snowman for a patient in a dish beside their bed. It didn't last long, but the patient was thrilled, she said. Everywhere across the borough, the snow has brought out the sculptor in people, creating magnificent and quirky figures staff at shoreline bathrooms took time out to build a life-sized snow colleague complete with name badge which they said was great fun to make and roy nichols a keen beach angler in alderson road shared a snap of his fishing snowman patiently sitting on a bench rod in hand the only bite i've had today is frostbite he joked Some people have great imagination, don't they? I enjoyed reading an article in the EDP at the weekend about the time Norwich Cathedral had a helter-skelter inside it. And this is an interview that Rowan Mantell had with the man who was responsible for that, who was the Reverend Canon Andy Bryant. She says, What next for the cathedral's helter-skelter priest? 18 months ago, a helter-skelter in Norwich Cathedral brought the city worldwide headlines. Millions saw the images of the fairground ride inside the medieval masterpiece Thousands queued to climb towards the stunning cathedral roof and slide back down. The moment when I knew that we had really arrived was when we were featured in the Daily Telegraph cartoon. It had helter-skelter in the House of Commons and Boris was saying something like, This should distract them from Brexit. The Reverend Canon Andy Bryant still sounds astonished by the reaction to his plan to allow people a better view of Norwich Cathedral's magnificent medieval roof bosses. The helter-skelter hit the headlines, not only in Britain but right around the world. There were some really bizarre moments, he said. There was one point when someone phoned up from a holiday on the Greek islands to say that Norwich Cathedral was on the news. I spoke to a Norfolk woman in the cathedral whose daughter, who lives in Van Vanuatu, had told her about it, said Canon Andy. There was one crazy morning when I did 19 interviews back to back. It had all begun in Rome, in the Sistine Chapel, when Canon Andy was gazing at Michelangelo's incomparable ceiling and daring to compare it to Norwich Cathedral. Michelangelo was a genius. But the medieval roof bosses in norwich cathedral are just as good but no one ever gets to see them he said so he began thinking about how he could get people up high enough to view the works of art and eventually moved from impractical ladders and walkways to the dizzyingly audacious a funfair ride originally i wanted a ferris wheel but we couldn't get one through the doorway. They all come mounted on huge lorries, he explained. And when we happened across a helter-skelter, which could be taken apart, seeing it differently, the name of the whole project, which also included tours of the cathedral and other ways of looking at the famous roof bosses was born. 10,000 people rode the helter-skelter. Another 30,000 people came to see it and take part in linked activities. Cues snaked across the cathedral close. It was lovely, it was wonderful, it was bemusing, said Canon Andy. I think the thing I took most pride in was the wonderful atmosphere in the cathedral. The word that was repeatedly used by people was joy. There was just this most fabulous, busy, excited atmosphere in the cathedral. When people were waiting to go on, you couldn't tell who was in which group. It was like everyone knew each other, although it was the first time they had met. I wanted to bring in people who might never have thought of coming into a cathedral, said Canon Andy. I had a really strong sense that Norwich people were proud of us and glad that we were doing something different. We were proud of our city and county and what we had to share. So many people said they would come back, and that Christmas our services were up, every single one. We were really on a high from that, and working towards Dippy, the Natural History Museum's iconic Diplodocus cast, which should have arrived in Norwich Cathedral last summer. And then, everything stopped. As coronavirus swept into the country, the cathedral closed. During the first lockdown, it was completely shut, perhaps for the first time in centuries. Having a helter-skelter didn't stop our worship, said Canon Andy, adding that apart from periods in Puritan times, and when lightning toppled the original wooden steeple, services continued, until last spring. The rhythm of daily services has begun again, although without congregations, And Canon Andy's current project is very different to the joy of the Helter Skelter. The Cathedral's Covid Memorial is made up of many small crosses, each representing a Norfolk victim. Every Wednesday at noon, a member of the clergy holds a service alone to remember the dead. Part of our role is to provide these moments for people to express their faith, says Canon Andy. People of all faiths and of no faith come into the cathedral and it puts them in touch with the sense of otherness. When I see pictures of intensive care units with all the nurses and doctors working together, I get that sense of something bigger, something literally awesome. His father was a vicar and he said the only thing I was sure of was that I didn't want to be a vicar. Instead. He studied anthropology at university and researched changing attitudes to church by spending three months with members of a Birmingham congregation. I talked to them about faith and church and God, and there was something so exciting about it, he said. Inspired, he trained for ministry himself. I've always felt that there was a God. I've never doubted that but I have a kind of love-hate relationship with church. That sense of standing on the edge of church informs his mission to bring people into the cathedral. I've always had this thing about how can we ensure that cathedrals are accessible to everyone, he said. I love it when the cathedral is full of people because it belongs to the city, the county, everyone. He longs to welcome crowds again, but is not sure whether a return of the helter-skelter is the way to do it. After the pandemic, it feels like it belonged to a different era, he said. But there is something in me that wants to do something that's fun again, when life returns to normality. We've all had such a rough time as a city that we need to do some fun things. We're hoping that Dippy Dinosaur is coming this year, he said. He's also looking forward to finally meeting his first grandchild, born during the second lockdown. And I still have this vision of a Ferris wheel, which is really nice and slow and genteel, and you get more time to see the bosses, because the helter-skelter wasn't just what silly thing can I do. There was a genuine desire to share the roof bosses and share the story they tell. And the story they tell is the story of the Bible. And if he does find a way of getting a ferris wheel into the cathedral, he is determined to have several goes. I only got one ride on the helter-skelter. This is still quite a sore point, he laughed. Well, at least he got one ride. I did see the Helter Skelter in the cathedral as so we went there on a family trip to Norwich, I think it was, but the uh, Helter Skelter was fully booked that day, so we didn't get a ride. <laughs>
0: Well, apart from a rather raucous piece from the Beatles' white album called Helter Skelter, and nothing anyone would recognise called Ferris Wheel, the carousel waltz from the film soundtrack of Rogers and Hammerstein's smash hit musical Carousel was the nearest I could summon. A musical diversion giving Desney the time to take a deep breath for the second part of the news
1: Homeowner's Sleepless Night. A Storm Darcy devours 15 feet of dunes. People are being warned to stay away from Hemsby dunes as Storm Darcy's fierce winds eroded 15 foot of frontage from the cliff's last remaining home. Lance Martin, 63, has been battling to save his house in Hemsby's The Marrams years after dozens of others along the same stretch collapsed into the sea. But winds on Sunday and Monday threatened to force his evacuation as waves rolled straight over the top of his two-ton defence blocks, pushing the dune back by about 15 foot. He said, I didn't sleep until about one thirty am on Monday morning because of the stress and was up again at 7am. There was a low tide, but the wind behind it was driving it up over the blocks, and I was just sitting there watching parts of the dunes crumble. He added, Luckily, we're safe at the moment, because we've still got 13 metres between our house and the bottom of the dune, but you just don't know what's going to happen next. Speaking on Tuesday, Mr Martin explained that winds had died down overnight, to the point where he didn't need to wear his safety goggles. The wind speed has significantly reduced today and I slept better last night, he said. Without the wind, we didn't get the sea driving into the face of the dunes as much. Mr Martin added that while the defences had done their job in blunting the force of the waves, The latest weather events meant they now needed rearranging. He said, I'm happy with the defences as they are, I just need to get them back in position. That will require machinery and manpower, which I don't have at the moment. I do know if anything did happen, I have so many neighbours I can seek refuge with. When we moved the house back in 2019, the community support we received was fantastic. Hemsby councillor James Bensley said evacuation plans were in place should Mr Martin need it, but hoped the dune dweller could continue living out his retirement dream for a while yet. Although winds have now died down, Hemsby lifeboat coxswain Daniel Hurd closed the Beach Road car park yesterday to deter visitors while high tides and strong winds rendered the area unsafe. He said the car park remained closed on Tuesday because it was still dangerous. The risk of falling and flying debris was severe. Man find after driving from Colchester to Norfolk to get his car fixed. A man who drove from Colchester to Great Yarmouth to get his car fixed was hit with a £200 fine for breaching lockdown rules. Great Yarmouth police stopped the car on Tuesday after its driver, while travelling within the speed limit, was going too fast for the weather conditions. Police said he claimed that warning lights had illuminated on his dashboard but couldn't provide suitable reasons as to why he had come from Colchester into Norfolk to have them looked at. In a tweet, police said the driver was then told what essential journeys actually entailed before being given a fixed penalty notice. And this comes after two Londoners spark a manhunt after breaking lockdown to go for a walk on Winterton Beach. A full-scale search and rescue operation was launched after a London couple travelling to Winterton for a walk left their car unattended for more than four hours. The couple were fined by police and their actions were branded indefensible by a local counsellor after search and rescue teams tackled conditions they claimed were among the worst they had ever faced. Police were called at 3.30pm on Saturday, February the 6th by the Coast Guard over concerns about the welfare of a woman. The woman was seen arriving and parking her car in the area by Coast Watch volunteers. After more than four hours had passed and she had failed to return, volunteers raised the alarm. Officers attended the scene and assisted the search, which was carried out in conjunction with three Coast Guard teams. Bacton, Winterton and Galston. They were joined by Caster lifeboat and a search and rescue helicopter. The helicopter was later stood down before reaching the scene. The woman and her partner were found safe and well at about 4.45pm as they returned to their car. Norfolk Constabulary said it was established the couple had travelled from London earlier in the day and both were given a fixed penalty notice for breaching lockdown rules. Paul Garrod, chairman of Caster Independent Lifeboat said, We were paged at 4.20pm on Saturday, launched with six crew members. Once we got to Winterton, we had to start a shoreline search. There were 20-foot rolling waves. It's the worst I've seen in twenty-odd years because we were so close into shore. It was horrendous. Winterton Coast Guard issued a warning on its Facebook page after the event asking people to take extreme care when visiting the coast over the next few days. James Bensley, Councillor for Yarmouth's East Flegg ward, said he was absolutely exhausted by people continuously breaking the rules. Anyone getting in a car right now should hear alarm bells ringing, he said. To put our already overstretched emergency services at risk like this is indefensible. I know people need to get out and about and stretch their legs. I do understand that. But these actions by this London couple cannot be justified. He added, it probably costs about three grand to run a search and rescue helicopter for an hour. I want to see the laws changed on this. Anyone who needlessly uses up vital resources like that should have to foot the bill themselves. New stadium for historic football club after 870,000 pound grant. Construction of a new football stadium and state-of-the-art 3G pitch has been given the go-ahead after nearly £900,000 worth of funding made it possible. Galston Football Club, in conjunction with East Norfolk Sixth Form College, has secured a grant of £870,860 from the Premier League, the FA and the Government's Football Foundation to build a new sports complex on East Norfolk's school grounds. The long-awaited new site will come with two new changing rooms, a social space, two stands and a full-size pitch, and will serve the school and community as well as Galston FC. At a meeting of Great Yarmouth Borough Council's Development Control Committee meeting on December 9th last year, it was agreed GFC's currently unviable home, Emerald Park, would be torn down to make way for 97 houses. In a statement posted to their website, the club said the move would not have materialised without a £400,000 investment from Emerald Park's landowners, Albert and Aaron Jones. At the development meeting in December, the family offered their guarantee that the demolition of the old grounds would not begin until work at the new grounds began. James Humphreys, GFC chairman said, this is a fantastic opportunity for golston Football Club, the students at East Norfolk Sixth Form College and the local community. I would like to say a special thank you to the Football Foundation for their support in bringing such a worthwhile project to life. East Norfolk's principal, Catherine Richards, echoed this sentiment. She said, we are thrilled that funding for the new stadium at East Norfolk has been secured. Having a National League System Standard facility on our campus in Galston will not only inspire our students and strengthen our local footballing partnerships, It will also open up opportunities to play at the highest level with access to the very best facilities. Chief Executive of the Football Foundation, Robert Sullivan, said the organisation was committed to supporting grassroots football across the country. He said football has many benefits to physical and mental wellbeing. We want to support facility development projects like this over the next decade to transform the grassroots game and unlock the power of pitches. In a statement posted to GFC's website, summer was floated as a possible completion date for the new build. The history of the club. One of the oldest clubs in Norfolk Galston FC is thought to have been formed between 1884 and 1887. Initially, they wore crimson shirts and blue shorts, earning the nickname of the Cards, before switching to Green and White in 1903. The first trophy for the Greens came in the 1906-07 season, when they won the Norfolk Junior Cup. Soon after, gained membership to the Senior Norfolk and Suffolk League, winning multiple trophies before helping found the Eastern Counties League in 1935. Between 1935 and the early 50s, the club's only honour was in 1938, when Galston Football Club beat Yarmouth 3-0 in the final of the Norfolk Senior Cup. After the war, things were a different story. Then, the club was to gain national fame, winning the League Cup for the first and only time in 1956. However, by the end of the 50s, the club faced severe financial problems and had to withdraw from the Eastern Counties League, only rejoining in 1969. In the following 15 seasons, the Greens won the championship on three occasions in 1972 to 73, in 1979 to 80, and 1980 to 81, never finishing lower than 8th place. In the 1980s, the club moved from Galston Recreation Ground to Emerald Park. While exciting, it placed even further financial stress on the club, leaving GFC in a £150,000 debt Only with goodwill from the bank and several creditors was the club able to stay afloat. Years of relegation and promotion ensued, with the Greens winning the first division title in 2011. In 2012, Alan Gordon became chairman, taking over former Norwich City vice-chairman Jimmy Jones. He stepped down due to ill health in February 2020 and very sadly died just months later. James Humphreys then became chairman and remains in his position to this day. The Greens' most recent trophy was the 2014 Norfolk Senior Cup, but with a new 3G pitch on the horizon, the future can only get brighter. Bus firms hope for more normal services after snow disruption. Norfolk's bus operators were hoping to return to a more normal service on Wednesday after lots of disruption at the beginning of the week. Heavy snow late on Sunday and all day on Monday caused havoc on the county's roads, with some routes blocked by drifts and drivers getting into difficulties because of ice. Connect Bus announced a swathe of cancellations for Tuesday, while Sanders' coaches also said its school services would not run. Both Simmons buses and Border Bus did not operate on Monday, but the latter put on some services on Tuesday, while Simmons said it was trying to operate all its routes. At 6pm on Tuesday, the firm said it was hoping to maintain a full service on Wednesday, but added it was subject to weather conditions not deteriorating overnight. Connect Bus also said it was hoping to provide a full service. It said, as the snow situation is easing and road conditions improving subject to the weather, we are expecting to provide a full service from Wednesday across our network. Meanwhile, Sanders Coaches said it intended to run all services and school buses on Wednesday, with two exceptions. Its 34 service would not run, while school buses at Sheringham High would not operate as the school was closed. Norwich-based forecasters Weatherquest expected Tuesday evening and Wednesday daytime to bring more snow, with up to two inches likely to fall in some parts of the county. Seaside Village to host Coronavirus Testing Hub. A seaside village is being targeted as a hub for symptom-free coronavirus testing. Aimed at identifying cases that would otherwise not be detected, people in Hemsby and Newport who have to leave their homes for work are being invited to attend. The MOVE is part of a trial which sees testing in different places on different days specifically looking at those who do not have symptoms but could still be spreading the virus. The focus is on people living in parts of the borough with higher infection rates and who have to attend work in person. Under the trial, rapid testing will be carried out at Hemsby Village Hall in Waters Lane on Tuesday, February 16th and Wednesday, February 17th, from 8am to 4pm. They are drop-in sessions and there is no need to book, but anyone who goes along is reminded to wear a face covering inside. Results will be available in around half an hour and can be sent to your phone. It is believed about one in three people with COVID-19 don't have any symptoms, but can still pass it on. A statement said, many infected people have no symptoms, so could be spreading the virus without knowing it. Great Yarmouth Borough Council, in partnership with Norfolk Public Health, are testing people without symptoms, living in a number of areas with higher infection rates, to help find some of those infected people so they can self-isolate, protect the NHS and save lives. It added, please don't come if you have a fever, a new continuous cough or a loss or change in smell or taste. Instead, self-isolate with your household and book a test at www.nhs.uk forward slash coronavirus or call 119. Symptom-free testing sites have already visited Galston, Great Yarmouth Minster and St George's Theatre Pavilion Cafe. James Bensley, Borough Councillor for Hemsby, said he was pleased the village was hosting a testing hub. He said he strongly urged those that were able to take the test to go along, the Centre's presence helping to reinforce the message that the virus was everywhere. As a counsellor and volunteer involved in delivering prescriptions and helping to marshal at vaccination centres, he said he would be taking up the offer of the test. For those, like some of the village lifeboat men, who might not be able to attend, he was hoping to find a way of getting tests to them.
0: Right, it's telly time, as is usual from Disney.
1: Let's have a spot of TV. I've often talked about new programmes that we've got to watch, but maybe you love the tried and tested ones. Or maybe you're a fan of daytime television, now that our activities out and about have had to be abandoned, largely. So, for a change, let's look at some of the programmes that have survived for quite some time. Maybe we'll look at the daytime ones next month. Sunday brings at least two regular programmes that have survived the test of time on the BBC. Countryfile at 7pm is very popular, especially in rural counties like Norfolk. And this week's rural magazine is subtitled Winter Heroes, which is absolutely spot on after this week's weather. That's followed at 8pm by another old friend, The Antiques Roadshow. Gosh, I remember that going when I was very young. This week it comes from North Wales, and who doesn't wonder if that old knick-knack handed down through the family, be it a painting, a piece of furniture, a book, an ornament, may be worth a fortune. It does happen, so you never know, you could be lucky. Another BBC programme. On Monday at 7.30, that's been going a long, long time, is Panorama. Always topical, of course, that's its aim. This week, it's about vaccines, especially the disinformation that has been going on on social media and all sorts of other places by the anti-vaxxers, trying to dispel some of the myths and encourage more people to take up the vaccine. We seem to have done pretty well in Norfolk. Another programme on Monday on the BBC is DIY SOS, the big build. Nick Knowles has been doing that for a few years now. And this week they're creating a home dialysis centre in Devon to help a mum and dad who have been facing a four-hour round trips regularly to the hospital with two of their children. Not just one, but two. That must be a very emotional programme, I should think. We can't leave out ITV. One of their oldest programmes is surely Coronation Street, which has just had its 60th birthday. And we may have mentioned several BBC programmes, but this ITV one is on three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. And it is the one of all the soaps that I think I've probably watched most of. I can't say I watch it regularly now, perhaps more so during lockdown. If you've got any favourite programmes, it would be lovely to hear about them. Next time, as I say, we'll look at daytime television.
0: version of the Coronation Street theme with which Jeff Love and his orchestra had minor chart success in 1961. It's the sort of thing we got in the charts in those days. OK, we head now into the final batch of this week's news.
1: Some bin collections resume, but others still suspended due to snow. Some of the waste and recycling collections which had been cancelled due to snow in Norfolk and Waveney have now resumed, with people urged to leave their bins out. The snowy weather on Monday and Tuesday meant collections across the region were cancelled. Some collections resumed as of Wednesday, February 10th, but some councils have yet to restart collections. People in Great Yarmouth, North Norfolk and West Norfolk will need to wait a little longer as collections have yet to resume. Great Yarmouth Borough Council decided on Wednesday not to send its collection teams out on Thursday. Penny Carpenter, Chairman of the Environment Committee, said in light of the continued freezing temperatures, which are forecast to result in treacherous ice and black ice on the roads and footpaths tomorrow, we are giving early notice that waste and recycling collection is postponed tomorrow. Thursday, February 11th. Please leave out your black or green bin on its normal collection day, though only if it's safe to do so. The team will visit as soon as practically possible. Our collection vehicles weigh 26 tonnes when fully loaded, and each crew member walks an average of 10 miles per day. Therefore, sending teams out to navigate the untreated residential streets and pavements under the forecast road conditions would risk injury to people and damage to property. We will give as much notice as possible as to when collections can safely resume and will provide a revised timetable of collection days. We will be accepting additional waste alongside your black bin provided it is securely bagged and not loose, however, please don't put out any side waste until the evening before collections resume to avoid bags being blown around or ripped open in the meantime. If your green bin is full and you've got extra recycling that you'd normally put out alongside your green bin, please keep that somewhere secure for now so it doesn't get blown around in the high winds. Crews may have to drag bins off on some of the narrowest streets, therefore, can you ensure that your bin is numbered? A 47 driver on mobile phone was heading from Surrey to Yarmouth. A driver spotted on his mobile phone was hit with a fine for breaching coronavirus restrictions after travelling from Surrey to Norfolk, to visit relatives. Norfolk police officers spotted the man was on his phone while driving on the A47 at Acle at about 3.15pm on Wednesday, February the 10th. The man was issued with a traffic offence report for using his phone while behind the wheel. But when asked why he was travelling, the man admitted he'd travelled from Surrey to visit relatives in Great Yarmouth. So police also issued him with a Covid fine for breaching the lockdown restrictions for people to stay at home and only travel if essential. Police have the power to issue such fines which start at £200 and have issued dozens in recent weeks along with more than 100 warnings. Among those who have been fined are a father and son who travelled from London to stay at their second home on the North Norfolk coast and a woman who travelled to Norwich from Colchester to deliver a birthday present. Norfolk Police are currently in the middle of a mobile phone campaign. The Standing Up for Hanging Up drive aims to tackle those who text and talk while behind the wheel. It involves extra patrols from both marked and unmarked police cars, fitted with cameras which help spot offenders. The footage can be used as evidence to boost the chance of a successful prosecution. Anyone caught will automatically get a £200 fine and six points on their licence. A driver could also be prosecuted for driving without due care and attention, for using their phone while behind the wheel, for example if they're browsing the internet, filming or watching videos. In 2020, officers in Norfolk issued 127 Traffic Offence Reports TORs, to people using a mobile phone while driving. Norfolk's Police and Crime Commissioner Lorne Green said, The simple fact is that dangerous driving kills, whether through the use of a mobile phone at the wheel, speeding, drink or drug driving, or not wearing a seatbelt. Car stopped on A-47 with nine people squeezed in. Police stopped an overloaded car in Norfolk with nine people crammed into the vehicle meant for seven. Police then discovered that not only were too many people jammed into the Ford Galaxy, but the driver was not insured. Officers from Norfolk and Suffolk's Roads and Armed Policing team and the Road Casualty Reduction Team stopped the vehicle on the A47 at Eichel at about 2.30pm on Wednesday, February the 10th. A spokeswoman for Norfolk Police said, The vehicle was seized as the driver had no insurance. He was issued a Traffic Offence Report TOR, for this and six of the passengers were also issued tickets for not wearing seatbelts. No Covid fines were issued as they live in the same property and were travelling to work. Bridge about to be permanently repaired gets frozen shut. The Haven Bridge over the River Yare has reopened amid reports it had frozen shut. Norfolk Police were alerted at 2.52pm on Wednesday to reports that the bridge had been unable to lift for a boat. Officers were on scene preventing people from walking over the bridge and redirecting traffic, but the barriers were down at both sides. A police spokesman said initial reports indicated the bridge was iced up and that engineers were heading to the scene. An office worker in Hall Quay, facing the bridge, said traffic, although busy, was being kept moving by police, but people being prevented from walking over the bridge which was in the down position and looked normal. Another witness said many people were waiting to cross and traffic was backed up. The 90-year-old bridge has been beset by problems to do with its lifting mechanism. Work to permanently repair it is due to start this month and take 13 weeks. The bridge was out of action for months last year, causing problems for mariners. It reopened at around 5pm. A woman at the scene said it had been a tough situation, with people on push bikes and mobility scooters stuck outside in the open for up to two hours. A Norfolk County Council spokesperson said engineers have now managed to reopen the road over Haven Bridge after an attempted lift for a vessel this afternoon. We will be investigating the issue to understand what went wrong. Two crashes on the same stretch of road amid black ice warning. Two crashes on the same stretch of road in Norfolk left a driver in hospital after their car rolled over onto its side. Police were called to the A143 Yarmouth Road at Toft Monks near Haddiscoe at just after 6.15am on Thursday, February the 11th. The car had rolled on its side and crashed into a hedge close to Glebeland Primary School. A passing ambulance took the driver to the James Paget University Hospital at Galston as a precaution, although they were not injured. Norfolk police said the car would be recovered in due course. While officers were at the scene, they came across a second crash which had happened on the A143 near to Gillingham at just after 7am. A car had gone into a ditch although nobody was hurt. The crashes came amid a black ice warning on Norfolk's roads following the coldest night since the Beast of the East in February 2018 A wind farm operator has made a generous 100,000 pound donation to a campaign aiming to enable disadvantaged children to access online learning. The Every Child Online campaign, run by this newspaper alongside Norfolk County Council and the Norfolk Community Foundation, is giving laptops and tablets to those who need them most. Equinox, which operates Dudgeon Offshore Wind Farm in Great Yarmouth and Sheringham Shoal Offshore Wind Farm, donated the money from its community fund, which will be used to purchase devices for the 6,000 children in Norfolk who do not have access to online learning. Sonia Chiniko Indraeba the Great Yarmouth Wind Farm's plant manager, said the company had decided to donate the large sum due to staff experiences of home schooling and following extensive fundraising for STEM caused across the county, totalling over £1 million to date. She said, we have been following Covid in the community very closely and last year we were supporting the Norfolk Community Foundation in their ways of providing support around Covid as part of the Norfolk Resilience Forum, which was giving money to areas that needed it. Then we saw this year the Every Child Online campaign and we thought this was fantastic because the main motivation for our community fund is for STEM initiatives, so normally we are supporting schools by providing funds to buy various things such as a 3D printer. Knowing how hard it is to homeschool children as parents ourselves, we thought this would be the best thing to do to help to make sure everyone has the foundation to get key learning even from a distance over this period. The donation Comes as it was announced that the campaign had acquired almost 5,000 laptops for children in need across the county, with the latest donation from Equinor bringing the funds raised to £192,000. Parkland Plan for Former Pontins Poised for Approval Planners are poised to approve a holiday park-to-homes remodelling scheme they say is better than previous bids. Permission has already been granted to demolish holiday chalets at the former Pontins in Hemsby and replace them with 190 new homes and a 50-unit caravan park. But a new bid from Pine Developments is looking to reuse many of the existing buildings to create a mix of new homes and holiday lodges preparations have been underway for some time at the site and signs have gone up proclaiming the pines as a unique parkland setting under the plans the existing swimming pool will be refurbished and a leisure centre spa and cafe added along with four retail units, three with flats above. Concerns have been raised about pressure on services and flood risk, but others support the scheme, which will retain established trees and add shops, facilities and public green space on a problem site that has long been a magnet for vandals and arsonists. Great Yarmouth Borough Council is hosting a virtual meeting of its Development Control Committee on February 17th at 4pm. Papers released ahead of the meeting show officers are advising members to approve the scheme promoted as a leafy, family-friendly community by the applicant, Graham Avery. The plans show 188 homes ranging from one-bed flats to three-bed houses, mainly adapted from existing buildings on the south end of the site away from Beach Road. Meanwhile, some 91 lodges, 53 made from the derelict chalets and 38 new prefabs will take shape at the southern end using the main Pontins entrance. Three entrances off Kingsway will serve the residential homes. Planners noted that highways, having raised concerns, would be unlikely to adopt the road network, the layout being restricted by the existing buildings. In summary, they said they broadly welcomed the regeneration of derelict buildings in an attractive living environment while adding a leisure centre and swimming pool for public use. They added, it is considered that this proposal is a pragmatic way to regenerate the site and deliver new homes. It is recommended that the application is approved subject to conditions. The 22 acre site has been empty for more than a decade and been variously promoted as an Eden project style camping hub and a veterans village. In 2011, a scheme for 190 homes and a 60 bed care home was withdrawn.
0: Well, that's all from this week's edition of Grapevine. The recording is copyright 2021 of the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association. The news content is adapted mainly from the publications of Archant Limited and is used with their consent. However, the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association accept responsibility for editorial decisions made for this recording. Next week's news reader will be Andrew, and we hope that we can look forward to welcoming you once again for much more of your local news. In the meantime, from all at Grapevine, stay well and safe in what they say will be a slightly milder weather situation. Look after yourselves. Bye for now.